Our scripture reading this morning is the 15th Psalm. If you'd like to join me in Psalms number 15, Psalms 15, beginning at verse 1, we read, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. I just love the gospel. You know what's so good about the gospel, the good news? Everything God requires of you and I. Everything. Not just this or that, and you got to do this and you got to do that, but every single point that He requires of you and I, he has fulfilled perfectly. We saw this in our Bible study a few moments ago, how we are righteous, but it's not the righteousness you have in this flesh, it's him, it's his righteousness, that's ours. When it speaks who walketh up, about who walketh uprightly, you and I walk uprightly, but not in this flesh, in him. When he walked uprightly on this earth, we were in him. When he went to that cross and shed his blood to pay for sin, we were in him. Paying for our sins through him, our substitute. We turn in your Bibles to the 12th chapter of Romans, please. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. beginning at verse 4. For as we have many members, many parts, in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. And every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Simplicity. I'd like to talk to you this morning about a simple peace. You know, the world loves to make religion such a difficult thing. Now you're saved. Now that you've accepted the Lord Jesus in your heart. Now that you've made a decision. Now that you've been baptized. Now that you do this. Now that you do that. you got to do this. And they love to make salvation 
more complicated than the Bible makes it. You know, the Bible makes the salvation of, the, of God's people very, very simple. And you know, it's just a couple of words. It, go, it goes like this. Are you listening? Are you hearing? Here's the simplicity. Salvation is of the Lord. It doesn't get any more simpler than that. I was listening to our brother David Edmondson preach over in Matt, uh, actually Danville, Kentucky this morning over where Don Porker's church is, where Shelby and, and the rest of the saints are. And I'm not sure what his title was, but it was the simplicity of the gospel was the, was the theme of it. And he went about bringing out in his message how the simplicity is very this. God was manifest in the flesh. Salvation is of the Lord. He told a story about his daughter when she was very, very young. I think you say she was like eight or nine years old. They were on their way home from church up there at 13th Street Baptist Church in Ashland, Kentucky. A man by the name of Bob Coffey had been preaching. And I've met Bob, and, and David is absolutely right. Bob is just, he's one of the simplest men I've ever met. He's actually very complicated. He's an artist. And you know how artist people are. They're very, very complicated. Uh, no, they're not. I'm just kidding. I, I say that just for Mike's sake, who's sitting here, who is also an artist. <laughs> but Bob is a very simple man. He speaks very simply. Henry Mahan spoke very, very simply. And, and David was expressing the story of how his daughter, about eight or nine years old, was sitting in the back seat, and she said, Daddy, when Bob had brought a message over there, she goes, I don't know what it is about that man, but I understood everything he said. He stopped the car. turned around to look at his daughter with blessings in his heart. You what? I understood. Folks, that's the gospel. The world can't understand the truth of the gospel because they want to make it difficult. They want to explain it in ways that they can understand. Yet God's people can explain it one way. Salvation is of the Lord. You can't get any more simple than that. It's not God plus you. It's God. It's what he's done. It's who he is. It's where he is right now. And that little eight-year-old child knew. She understood. Because the man standing before her kept it simple. He didn't go deep into the pond to try to explain what God means by total depravity. It was simply this. I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. Some of you may have heard the story. When Gene's son, Scotty, the one that drowned and died in Gene's arms, 
where several months, I think it was before that, maybe even a year, he came to his daddy and he was crying. Gene tells a story, and I can't even tell a story myself without choking up. And Gene says, What's wrong, Scotty? Why are you crying, son? And his son said the most simplest thing. Daddy, I'm a sinner. Is that not what you and I have said? You remember the day? You either said it with your lips or with your heart. Lord, I'm a sinner. And a note. And it's just as simple as that. I'm a sinner. This morning I want to bring a message to those who are troubled by their sin. Those who know their state and you can't just know it by reading God's Word. People read God's Word all over the world on this day and many, many days. But they've never learned, as Scotty had learned, I'm a sinner. The simplicity of what it is to be a sinner. I have sinned against God. Those who know their state before a thrice holy God. Those who struggle with the sin of the flesh and the unrighteousness that is found in themselves. I tell you this, that if you've been called out of the darkness that is your was your very nature before God called you. You remember that? You know what? Turn over to Matthew chapter 4 for just a moment. Matthew chapter 4. What I'm talking about here are those who were going about their lives doing what they thought was right. And that doesn't matter. You can put whatever you want in there, whether you're going to church on Sundays, whether you're doing this, doing that. And And then one day, through the preaching of God's Word, and folks... This is the simplicity of the gospel is that when God speaks, you hear. That little girl understood when the preacher stood before her and she goes and he told her things like, when God speaks, people hear it that he's speaking to. When God spoke to Lazarus, did Lazarus take the moment to sit back and say, I don't know, maybe I don't want it today? No, he came forth, did he not? We're going to look at that, see that right here? Look at verses 18 through 22 of Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Here they are, going about their lives raising their families, doing whatever it is God has left them to do of their own free will, and the Lord passes by them. This is the simplicity. The one who has all power 
heaven and earth passed by. Verse 19, and he said unto them, follow me. Follow me. Now that's as much as I'm going to give you of David's message. It's out there on YouTube right now. It's out there in Sermon Audio. You can go listen to the rest of it with him. That's the simple message our Lord says to his people. Follow me. Do you follow the Lord Jesus? Those of you who are tuned in right now on, on the internet, thank God for the internet, don't you? It'll be a long way for Shirley Jukes to have to drive to every Sunday if she wanted to come to church on Sunday. It'll be a long way for Craig Roberts in Kansas to come all the way out here, or Cheryl to join us from Utah. Follow me. That's what we're doing here this morning. We're following the Lord Jesus Christ. We're following his word. We're following his word, his love letter, to his children, those who he's loved before the world was. Look over to Isaiah chapter 40. I want to bring before you this morning the most simple message that I can come up with. I want to be just as clear and simple as, as I can be in bringing peace to the hearts of those who God has convicted as sinners, those who are troubled by their sin, those who struggle with the sin of the flesh, with the unrighteousness of the flesh that we find in ourselves. Here in Isaiah chapter 40, we read these simple words. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people saith your God. Can it get any more comforting than to say to you salvation is of the Lord? Sit back and rest in him. Receive the blessings of God in sending his son to be man, to be flesh and pay our debt. Receive the blessings. What does it say next? It says, speak ye comfortably. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. I got a little ahead of myself there. We'll back up a second for just a moment. It says in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all sectation. Now this is, this is the comforting. This is the simplicity of the gospel that brings comfort to God's people. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Every one of us are brought to understand that there is nothing good of this flesh. We have no confidence in the flesh. I'm not sufficient for what God has put before me here to stand before you. No man is. Don Fortner wasn't. Gene Harmon wasn't. No man is. But our sufficiency is not in me. Our sufficiency is in the one who's speaking to your heart right now. The one who's grabbing a hold of that new heart that he's given you and saying, believe on me. We see the sin that's in our flesh and we cry out, Lord, please move this thorn that we all carry in the flesh. I believe that's what Paul was 
crying out. It could have been anything. It could have been the blindness that was coming upon him. It could have been somebody who was bothering him. It could be anything. You put anything you want in there as that thorn. That's why the Lord said there was a thorn in his side. Something to buffet him. Buffet him to keep him from getting all puffed up about himself. Lord, remove this thorn that is in my flesh. Yet our Lord in his loving words speak right back through us to us through the preaching of his gospel. Peace, be still. My sufficient, my grace is sufficiency for thee. He calms the storms of life by revealing to the hearts of his chosen people that he is God and there is no other before him. The sovereign ruler over every detail, every dot, every tittle. All things are for his pleasure and according to his purpose. And he brings peace to his people through the preaching of his word. Preachers are sent out to speak about his works. Sinners are saved by his grace and are sent out to speak about his grace to sinners who need it. And we speak of his word. In our text, back in our, 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 our text that we were looking at, Isaiah 40, this is our command. Our command is to comfort, comfort God's people. Bill and I had had many, many, many conversations as, we, as I was blessed with the ability to walk alongside of him through his life. And many of those conversations went like this. I, I, just, I just don't know, John, or I, Bill, I can't understand what. And it was always this. This was our answer to each other. But God. This is my answer to you. As you sit there today, as you go about your walk through this valley of the shadow of death and you wonder, how can I think such thoughts? This is my answer to you, but God. God has paid the price. He's redeemed you from, what it, from the guilt that you have in your conscience right now for what your flesh is. There's no other way that you can fight the curse of sin but through the Lord Jesus. When sin came into the world, the Lord God Almighty, he cursed it. He said, cursed is the ground, the very ground that you walk on to Adam. Everything must be destroyed and burned up. For God is perfect in all ways, and in every way he's so holy he cannot even look upon imperfection. And every one of us have our imperfections, don't we? So how do we bring comfort to those, to his chosen people? What is it that we say to those who are troubled with their sins? You know, that's the biggest trouble all of us deal with, isn't it? Isn't that our biggest trouble? I mean, I know there may be other things in the world that we're fighting. Desires, lusts, angers, whatever. But when it comes right down to it, What's the one thing that we fight we just can't seem to win over? What's in my heart? What's in the heart of this flesh? So what do we do? How do we bring comfort? Look at verse 2, Isaiah chapter 40. 
Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. The battle has been won. That her iniquity, her shortcomings, her sin is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. I want to bring a title this morning, put a title on this message, A Simple Peace. The battle is done. Our king, our captain, has fought the battle for us, and it is accomplished. Can there ever be anything of this world that brings more peace to a sinner than one whose sins have been paid for? One whose battle with that sin has been accomplished. What does it mean to be accomplished? It means this, to fill or to be full of. In a wide application, literally and figuratively, means to be accomplished, confirmed, consecrated, to be at an end, to be expired, to be fenced in, to be filled, fulfilled. For our Lord uses a layman term for it. Remember what he said on the cross? When he gave up the ghost, you don't get any more layman than this. It is finished. That's a good that's a that's a good way to say accomplished. It is done. It is finished. There's nothing left to do. Salvation for God's people is accomplished. That her iniquity is pardoned, it said. All of the shortcomings that you and I can see when we look in the mirror have been forgiven. They've been pardoned. The judge sitting in his judgment seat says, you can go free now because this one's paid your price. This one's blood has been shed and I'm satisfied with the blood of this one. No man could ever shed his blood outside of, other than Christ. Because we all come into this world under the seed of Adam, don't we? Full of sin, full of, full of, uh, full of the word there, iniquity. Yet he who is perfect, he who always pleased the Father, was made to be our sin, that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. When Christ the Lord died on that cross, he took every sin that every child of God has ever committed or ever will commit. And our sins were laid upon him. So when he went into that grave, our sins were buried there as well. Folks, the Lord Jesus didn't come out of the grave with our sins still on him. He paid the price. Death was put behind he came out in the full glory of God, spotless lamb again. Perfect in every way to sit on his throne, making intercession for you and I. 
that our sins would never be remembered again. Death could not hold those Savior. He arose a victor over death. It says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. Cry unto her that her warfare, our warfare has been accomplished. It's been won. Our Lord, the victor over death and hell, sits on his throne right now. And he left that sin of ours behind, never to see it again. Buried from God's sight forever, our warfare is accomplished. Listen to what Henry Mahan wrote about that verse too. He said, what shall I say to this people to comfort them? What is the believer's source of greatest comfort? It's the good news of the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel that salvation is of the Lord. Cry unto her. Cry unto Israel. It is accomplished. The battle is over. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Savior Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. All of our enemies have been engaged by our captain, and they are conquered in every and, and shall soon be under our feet as they are under his right now. You can read about that in Hebrews 10. The enemy of self. You can read about in Galatians 2.20. The enemy is Satan, as we read in John 14. The enemy of the world, as we read in John 16. The enemy of death, as, John, as we read about in John 11. Our iniquity is pardoned. All of our sins, past, present, and future, are blotted out forever. Is that not good news? Is that not something you can swallow as a sinner? Is that not something that brings comfort to a heart that was struggling at one time? One who was looking to the flesh for comfort and found none, we find it now looking to our Savior. What did he say to those men? Come, follow me. See how simple that is? Even a child can understand it. Come, follow me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know who gives us that belief. We know. You don't have to explain it to that little girl. God does everything according to his will and purpose. That includes giving us the belief in him. Our warfare is accomplished. We have a rest in the works of our Savior. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 4 if you would. In Hebrews chapter 4. And while you're turning there, allow me to read from Matthew 11 verse 28. Our Lord says in these words, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. What did our Lord say to those men again? Come, follow me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Our Lord sends out a general call to all mankind. We read in Acts 16, verse 31, 
the Lord says these words. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the general call that goes out to all mankind. But not all mankind have ears to hear, as we saw in last week's message. So who are those that believe? Those that are chosen of God. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Even a little eight-year-old child could understand that. How do I believe in God if God has chosen you to believe? His elect, those who are born again with a new heart, those who have been given life that comes from God, God comes to each and every one of his people in the day of love, and with the power of God, he quickens them. He gives them life, makes them alive, gives them life to, gives life to the dead, and through the preaching of his word, they too will find rest in the Son of the living God. We'll read things like, He shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people. Comfort that he shall save his people. Many hear the word preached, but few will believe. Look here at verse 4 of Hebrews, I mean chapter 4, verse chapter 4 of Hebrews, beginning at verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which, have we which have believed do enter into a rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, <clears throat> for he that speaks of a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. The word must be mixed with faith, as we just read. Belief. That's pretty, that's pretty simple words for an eight-year-old to understand too, huh? Believe. Believe God. Believe it's true. Believe what we see here as being true. Faith, though, is the gift of God. That's another simple statement. Salvation is the Lord. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of salvation. That's pretty easy to understand. So what, what rest? So we rest in his work. We rest in all of it. We have no confidence in the flesh. We don't trust in anything of ourselves, not even our belief. We only trust in him and his word to us. We rest in his promises that he has a people given to him before the world was created. We trust that he is completely, and that he completely and fully saved his people by the sacrificing of himself. So much so that he saves them to the uttermost, to the satisfaction of himself. We believe, we trust in him, that the blood that was shed on that cross was his own blood, perfect in every way, cleansing blood, power in that blood. We trust that that blood paid the debt in full. We trust that all for whom the Father giveth him shall come to him. We trust 
these promises cannot be turned away because they are the promises of God. Folks, we have a perfect rest in our Savior. Why do we keep trying? Why do we keep turning around and trying to do it on our own? Do it to add what we have to it. That's the old nature. This is why we come to church. This is why we gather together on Friday nights to study God's word, to remind us. This is why we come to the table of remembrance, to remind us. You may not need it. You may be able to go for long periods of time without coming to services to hear about our Savior. But most of God's children have to come back and hear it as often as we possibly can. There are those who Friday night and Sunday are not enough. I like to join Norm Wells on Wednesday night. I like to join Rick Ward on Thursday night. Or Kevin Thacker on Wednesday night. Or somebody like David Edmondson in Danville, Kentucky this morning. Friday night and Sunday are just not enough. David said something this morning that I just I screamed at the TV, Amen! <laughs> Amen! Somebody told him, he's, let's see, let me see if I can get this right now. I want to make sure I say it right. Somebody came to him at one time and said something about Christ. I don't know if I'm going to say it right, but I'm going to try. Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, is what my world is mostly about. And David turned to that guy and he said, not mine. And the guy goes, what? I don't know if I said that exactly right, but it's something to that effect. And David said, not mine. Jesus Christ is all of my world. Folks, if the Lord God Almighty is going to do a work in your heart, he's going to make himself all of your world. All of it. Back to our text in Hebrews 4. Start again this time at verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into a rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from before the foundation of the world. For he spake of a certain place of a seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works and this, and in this place again if they shall enter into my rest seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief again he limiteth a certain day saying unto David today after so long a time as it is said today if you will hear my voice harden not your hearts for if Jesus had given them rest, then should, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that entereth into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did for his. 
God the Father promised a people to his Son. God the Son promised to save his people. And God the Spirit has promised God, promised good to those who believe. Jerusalem. You know what Jerusalem is? People want to say, oh, have you ever been to Jerusalem where God walked this earth? That's just a piece of dirt on the other side of the ocean. The Jerusalem of Scripture that God speaks to is His chosen people. Remember, in Romans, not all Jerusalem is Jerusalem, is it? Those who believe God. This is the message that even a simple eight-year-old can understand. Those who believe God of who He is are saved. That's what I was talking about with Kathy and I a little bit ago. She says, I believe. Do you believe? Do you rest in what he has done? If you believe, you do. Jerusalem, your warfare is accomplished. It is finished. Rest in the Son of the living God. Rest in the finished work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He has promised good to all who love him, to all them that are called. Amen.